to the show. Hope you're all having a great week so far. So we are taking a short break for the next few weeks, but fear not. We have some wonderful episodes to share with you. What we're doing is we went back and we found some of our listener favorites, some of our best podcasts, some of your favorite episodes, and we are polishing those up and um, sharing those again with you. So you will hear those over the next couple of weeks, and we hope you get to enjoy them if you have not heard them already. So thanks for listening. On this Encore episode, we have Elizabeth Cush. We talk about her work as a psychotherapist and focusing on anxiety and self-care. In this episode, we talk about how we can tune into ourselves, start a self-care practice that works for us, and how we can address our inner critic. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elisa. I really appreciate the invite and uh, just love your podcast. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we are talking today because we are hearing from a lot of our She Speaks community members about, you know, this being a tough time of year. And, and generally, even just since COVID started, women are feeling an enormous, telling us that they are feeling a lot more anxiety, a lot more uncertainty just a mm. lot more um, anxious about the world around them, about what's going on in their personal lives, as well as what's going on in the world around them. So I love that we're going to have this conversation and we're going to talk through um, you know, your perspective and your insights um, today, as well as hopefully some very specific advice that women can, um, can use for uh, for themselves as they as they go through this time. So you've talked mm -hmm. about um, how women tend to define themselves by who they take care of. Can you <laughs> talk a little bit about this and discuss how women can shift that definition of themselves? Yeah, well, I think that's such an important question because I know, you know, speaking for myself, but also the women that I've worked with, so much of how we're raised is about how nice we are, how kind we are, being good mm -hmm. girls. But And part of that is mm -hmm. how well do we take care of the people in our lives? And mm -hmm. especially, I would say, if you've experienced some kind of emotional neglect or trauma in your, in, in your past, it can almost turn into sort of this overdrive of as long as I'm taking care of everybody else in the world outside me, is say is, is okay, then I'll be okay too. Mm -hmm. But if we're not, if we're not listening to ourselves and what we need, it can make us feel really anxious and depressed because we're not actively caring for us mm -hmm. when we're constantly thinking about everybody else's needs. Right. Right. And yeah. what is that about? Is there something that, that women have, is it innate or is it how we're raised that gives us this mentality of I need to be taking care of everyone else? And mm. it's almost like that. I always think of it as, um, you know, that announcement that they make on the flights um, mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. they're telling you put your own face mask on before helping someone else. I always think, you know what? Men probably sit there and go, of course, I'm going to put your face mask. Right. Someone else. But I think women, we are like, oh, well, thank thank goodness you told me that because that does make sense. I'm going to be able to help other people better <laughs> if I have my own 
face mask on first. Although I must say, I have I have had women saying there's no effing way that I'm going to put not put the mask on my child first before myself, which is an exactly. interesting thing too. But yes, exactly. I uh, and I think it's a combination. Um, there probably is a genetic component component, although I'm not expert in that field to know to know mm -hmm. for sure right. but um but it is a cultural message that we receive it's also a lot of what is modeled for us so mm -hmm. whether it's our mother or our grandmother or female figure in our life who is very good at taking care of others without really actively working on their own needs it, mm -hmm. it can become habit yeah yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the habit because I have been doing a lot of talking with people about what it takes to form a habit and how you can rewire your brain. So, a woman who thinks to herself, "I am not somebody who exercises." I'm just giving like a little example, but I'm not somebody who mm -hmm. exercises. Mm -hmm. You can actually develop and rewire your, like develop a habit, rewire your brain in, I don't know, what do they say? Like 21 days, but you choose to start to get yourself to a point where you say, oh, this is something I can do. And now you get to that, you get to the end of that 21 days or 30 days, whatever the number is. And you go, oh, I am a woman who exercises, right? What mm -hmm. does it take to develop a habit in, in the, in the areas that you're talking about? Well, I mean, it takes awareness. So we need to have some awareness around how often we're not listening to ourselves and what we need. Mm -hmm. It takes some mindfulness. So I think awareness and mindfulness sort of come together. So, it, but it's tuning mm -hmm. into what are we experiencing? How are we feeling? What's coming up for us? And are we attuning to that? Yep. And then it's making those conscious choices to, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable to do something different, mm -hmm. to try it anyway, to do it yeah. anyway with consistency yes. so that the, the discomfort lessens and we start to feel sort of the benefits of really taking care of ourselves or creating this new habit, whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought that the 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 awareness and the mindfulness up because I think we have heard this from a lot of women and I have certainly, you know, felt this myself that it can be challenging to really have a strong self-awareness, right? And mm. to really be tapped into what's going on with you. Can yeah. can you share any advice um, how on how a woman could start developing, I don't know if you could would call it, but a practice for self-awareness, but is there something mm -hmm. that we can start to do if we feel like we're not self-aware or we want to be more self-aware? What are mm -hmm. some things that we can try? Yeah, well, I, I think there's a lot that goes into that. So part of it really takes learning to listen and 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 trust yourself. You know, there are practices, but I think part of that is attending to your needs, setting healthy boundaries, being kind to yourself when maybe you don't always get it right. And so how do we do that? It means, and I will speak right now for myself, taking time where I'm with me. So quiet time, whether mm -hmm. it's through actual meditation or just taking a walk without headphones, mm -hmm. just being outside in nature, mm -hmm. um, but just being intentionally quiet and 
just with myself. I think mindfulness also can be, again, so helpful because we are working on being here in the present moment just so we can be aware of what's happening. And it can be aware of our physical surroundings, but also our emotional state in the moment and maybe any physical feelings, physical sensations that we're feeling Mm -hmm. and just letting that be there without trying to shift it or change it. Yeah. So, so I don't want to, I don't want to rephrase this incorrectly, but is it, is it like sitting with discomfort, like learning to sit with discomfort? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about our sort of cultural message here, especially on the West and in the, in Western culture is that it's, it's not good to feel uncomfortable. We want to feel happy and joyful Mm -hmm. all the time, but Mm -hmm. part of, of the spectrum of feelings is, you know, extreme discomfort to, to exhilaration and joy and awe. But in order to feel both those things, we have to tune in and feel all the things. Like we can't just choose to, I just want to feel happy. Well, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) We're we're shutting out the discomfort. We're not feeling the joy either. So yes, it is learning how to sit with the discomfort, how to be okay with it. And just noticing that it's there and that it'll probably pass most of the time it does. I think you brought, you said earlier that it's important to be kind to yourself, right? You, so this yes. idea of self-care, which to mm-hmm. me is kind of like, you know, linked to that, right? If, if we are taking care of ourselves, we're, we're going to have to learn to be kinder to ourselves. Why mm-hmm. is self-care so important for women to prioritize? <sighs> Well, I, I, there's a lot to that too. So I think one, because we do tend to, a lot of women will put other people's needs first and taking care of them first, that our needs often will be at the bottom of the list. Or when I get all this stuff done, then it'll be time for me. Mm-hmm. But often then we're either too exhausted or too tired or too busy to take that time for ourselves. So if we're constantly sort of ignoring or avoiding or actively pushing away what it is we need and not taking care of those things. I mean, small things like, did I have breakfast today? Mm -hmm. Did I get enough water? Did I get to take a walk? Did I pause for that moment to notice the sun shining through my window and warming my skin? Like that to me is self-care. And so if we're allowing ourselves to really feel that care, it helps build trust. It helps us sort of build that foundation of like, I care about me and I want to take care of me. Yeah. Well, how can women start to set these healthy boundaries for themselves, right? Because you're talking about self-care. And I think to myself, a, a lot of women, we feel like we don't have time for that, right? Taking the time. It feels like it's time. Right. And Mm -hmm. so many of us feel time starved. But Mm -hmm. to me, it's about, okay, well, I've got to make a plan. I've got to set that almost like, I don't know if it's a boundary or a plan. You've got to, you know, kind of force yourself to create that space to be able to do that. How can women start to do that, to set that time to make Mm -hmm. sure that they have that planned into their day? Do you have any tips for that? For me, it is sort of having an intentional plan that if it doesn't happen, I, I 
try not to be too hard on myself about it. But so mm -hmm. taking time for me, yeah. journaling at night before mm -hmm. I go to bed has mm -hmm. been very, very helpful, especially during all this COVID time, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> during the pandemic. Yeah. Taking time to meditate during the day for me has been um, a huge part of my mm. just personal journey and learning how to trust myself and be with myself. Mm. And sometimes it's bigger, right? It's like, all right, well, I want to, I don't know, take a class for self-enrichment, like an art class. or mm -hmm. So it is, you know, signing up for it, paying for it, if you can, doing the thing you want to do. But mm -hmm. also just, it can be the smaller things, like taking a couple extra minutes in the shower to just sort of let the water be running down in your hands and feeling mm. what that feels like. And making it fit your life is yeah. the most important thing right? Yeah. If you're not a journaler, don't do it, right? Yeah. If you try meditation and for you, it's it's terrible, like sort of that mindful closing your eyes, that sort of, you know, breath meditation mm -hmm. for some people that doesn't sit, but yeah. you can walk outside and just be mindfully aware and meditate on the space around you or in your car even. I think that that's the thing is that we, when we think about when it's like too many things, it feels like, oh my God, there's no way I have time for this. Right. But when you start to really take it one step, think about one thing you can do, going back to the habit forming that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. I think too, part of it is also being aware of how many things we're agreeing to do that we don't want to do, right? Like <sighs> if you're forcing yourself to journal, for example, like mm -hmm. that's no fun. That doesn't right. really fit your needs, but also just in the day to day, like how mm -hmm. often are you either saying yes to things that you could say no to, and that could create the space to add something that is worthwhile, that's yes. meaningful to you. Yes. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about um, this idea of, you know, we are critical of ourselves. We need to I don't know, give ourselves some grace. To, mm -hmm. to, you know, this part of the self-care, we have been hearing from a lot of women that they have this narrative of like an inner critic that is kind of constantly running. It's just there. It's running in the background. How can women start to learn how to cope with the this inner critic, these self-defeating thoughts. Can you talk a little bit about, well, A, what is one, maybe that's the first thing. Like, what is what does the inner critic sound like? What does the self-defeating thought look like? And then may, maybe the second part, if you could address like what can we do to 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 cope with that and maybe to to turn it around. Well, self-defeating thoughts can be a lot of things like mm. um, making a mistake and then berating yourself for how stupid you were or or how could I have or um, mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of what I hear too it's around this fear of judgment from others so say mm -hmm. you showed up at a party that was formal dress and you didn't know it and you came in kind of casual clothes and then the rest of the evening or you go home and you're like oh, like how could I have not how how did I not know mm -hmm. this I must have looked mm -hmm. like such a fool you know finding ways to really just make yourself feel bad about just making a human mistake. I think for women too, and probably for men as well, but our weight, what we eat, mm. how much we sleep, 
we're taking care of ourselves or not, that can be this running dialogue of I'm not mm -hmm. doing it right. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Why can't I? Mm -hmm. I should be. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. many ways we can find to sort of pick ourselves apart. Mm -hmm. And it creates a lot of depression. It can make you feel really bad about yourself. Always feeling sort of somewhat anxious. Like, am I doing this right? Am I, you know, yes. am I showing up in the right way? How do people feel about me? Yeah. Interpreting small looks or gestures to mean something about myself. And so for me, what really has shifted and I mean, I think what's important to know is that our inner critical part, so there is a part of us that just wants to, and for some of us, if we were criticized by caregivers or have some history of trauma, oftentimes that inner critic just develops over time, right? It's yeah. not something we bring in. It just happens to be there to keep us on track. Don't make yes. that mistake. Avoid that disappointment. Avoid that mm -hmm. embarrassment. So the inner critic does have good intentions. It doesn't yeah. want us to screw up, right? It right, wants us right. to enter the world in a perfect way. But it kind of gets a little overzealous in its work. And yeah. so learning how to better understand, one, what its intentions are. So it's not trying to hurt us. It right. really wants to keep us safe. Yeah. So learning to listen, like, what is it afraid of? What If it doesn't do this, if it's not actively judging us or, or making us think about the judgment, what is it afraid we're going to, is might happen? Like, maybe mm -hmm. we'll make a mistake. Maybe we will get embarrassed. Maybe we will feel that judgment. Then being kind and compassionate toward that part of us, like, okay, I get that it feels really important to demean me, make me feel bad about myself, but it's really not working for me anymore, right? right. It's really just making me feel really terrible. So then I think along with that practice of recognizing the inner critic, working to be kinder. So saying initially, maybe, okay, I hear you inner critic, but it's my intention to be kinder to myself. Mm -hmm. So may I I'll give myself some grace in this moment when things don't feel so great. Right. I love that. That is, you know, that is something I hear. I've been hearing. It's a theme that I've been hearing about this, mm -hmm. this notion of we need to, of course, hold ourselves to a standard. but within that as women, we also need to learn to infuse it with, with giving ourselves this idea of giving ourselves some grace. Mm -hmm. We, we've talked a little bit about anxiety. You mentioned um, that that is something that we know comes up for a lot of women. There's mm -hmm. also been this pretty marked rise in with women in terms of these feelings of anxiety and stress. Talk about that. Why is anxiety is such a common issue for women and what are some steps that women can take to ensure that they're addressing it so um especially during this time when everything felt stressful who who mm. was safe where is it safe to be should i be wearing a mask should i not be wearing a mask i think the anxiety has risen for a lot of us if you have any history of trauma. I know I keep going back to that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people's trauma was activated during this time. So there was a lot, there has been a lot more because you're con what happens with trauma is it teaches you to sort of be hyper aware. Are things safe? Am I safe? What is my environment? Oh. So with COVID constantly in our mindset, even if we're not aware of it, it's activating some of that trauma too. I have to be vigilant all the time. Yeah. 
That is okay. So I wanted to stop you there for a second because you just said something that I had not heard in that way. And it, a mm. light bulb just went off. Like something just clicked for me. Yeah. So one of the reasons that people, women are feeling anxious, more anxious is because if they had some sort of trauma in the past, this state that we've been in since early 2020 right. is like a hypervigilance. Yep. And that is associated for many people with trauma, with past trauma. Yep. yep. The trauma response, hypervigilance. Basically, your body is like, I know what this feels like. Okay. The environment, you know, especially if, well, even if you haven't healed, but like, there's a lot of people that came to me through this time for, for, for healing work was like, this was all under control. And all of a sudden now I'm feeling like I'm back kind of where I started, or at least recognizing I need help. Wow. So yes, I think that it can feel familiar, but it also, our bodies and our brains are very good at I mean, we're, we were bred to look for danger, right? I mean, yeah. from back in caveman days, we yeah. had to be yeah. constantly on the alert. So it triggers this very natural response. It's just when it's constant, when we have to be vigilant all the time, it wears us out, but it also disrupts our nervous system. So we're constantly like producing the adrenaline and the cortisol and the things that disrupt our, our neurobiology naturally. So, okay. So, so that's maybe what has contributed to this, to this rise that it was maybe mm -hmm. laying dormant and, mm -hmm. and, and then COVID and what, how our bodies reacted to it right. is what triggered the, the dormant anxiety to kind of come back. What does it look like though? How do you know if you're suffering from anxiety? Yeah, well, it looks different for different people, but mm -hmm. there are emotional symptoms. There are physiological symptoms. So you can feel physically ill. It can be exhaustion. But so, all right. So some of the emotional mm -hmm. over worrying, ruminating, mm -hmm. insomnia. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that sort of high activation, mm -hmm. never feeling safe or like the physical symptoms because anxiety triggers that fight, flight, freeze response. So, and that shuts down our digestive system. I mean, basically all the blood goes to our limbs so we can fight, flight, <laughs> flee or freeze. It could be stomach aches, headaches, nausea, shakiness, yeah. lightheadedness, heart beating too fast. So it can feel really like a physical illness when it's an emotional response. So that's maybe what it looks like. And now mm. what are some things that we can do to deal with it? For every person, I think it can, it is very individual. But I mean, for me, a regular meditation practice has really helped mm -hmm. finding ways to be in nature, even if it's cold and yucky or super hot or whatever, just being outside. Mm -hmm. Nature can really sort of naturally lower our arousal response. Mm -hmm. um, therapy, personal therapy. I mean, I'm a therapist, so of course I think that, but being okay with the fact that maybe you might need some extra help. What's so hard is that we don't want to feel the anxiety, but to help ourselves take care of it, we have to feel it and again, get used to the discomfort to be able to move through it. If you'd like to learn more about our guests this week or how you can join the She Speaks community, check out the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. If you're an influencer or a brand that wants to work with us, please feel free to email us at info at Until next time.